There we go. Well, so today we have Dr. Catherine Clinton on the show, and Kaylin and I are really excited to pick Catherine's brain. So welcome to the Energy Fitness Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about all my favorite things and really dive in deep with you guys. So thank you for having me on today. Well, we're excited to hear from you. Yeah. So I'll do my best to give you a little introduction. Um, and if there's any spot you can fill in, definitely let me know. But for the listeners, if you don't already follow Catherine and her work, um, you can follow her on Instagram. She also has an awesome website, the drcatherineclinton.com. She's got two free eBooks on there. She's working on a third book that will be released this winter. Um, she spent the last 15 years helping people overcome their health issues. And there was two autoimmune issues that Catherine fixed herself. Um, and I believe Lyme disease too, right? Is that what I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I definitely had help doing that. <laughs> um, had some amazing uh, doctors and mentors along the way. So yeah, but I was diagnosed with Hashimoto thyroiditis and ulcerative colitis when I was in naturopathic medical school and Lyme disease all within, oh, about four months. Um, so sort of that domino effect, right? Yeah. And yeah, I was in the perfect spot to access all the modalities out there. I was in a naturopathic medical school. I was right down the hill and doing research at uh, an allopathic MD medical school up the hill and across the river was a acupuncture school. So I was in the right spot to kind of put the pieces back together. And do it holistically, like all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. I I utilize naturopathic modalities and acupuncture, nutrition, lifestyle. But to be honest with you guys, you know, I got to a spot where I sort of pieced it back together and I could be a productive member of society again. I could go to my clinic shifts, see my patients, finish school. But it wasn't until I really started diving into quantum biology that I really found another level of vitality and health and really safety um, that so many of us are lacking in our communities and our families and our workplaces. And it's so incredible to find that in the world around us. So I'm really excited to talk all about it. Oh my gosh. Well, quick, how did you go from that, from med school to quantum biology yeah. like what was that journey like because we're just now at an age where quantum biology and I feel like medicine are merging together and you're kind of leading the way on that so how did how did that transition happen for you yeah absolutely that's a great question I sort of um one of my mentors, Dr. Satya Ambrose, she was really pushing me to look at psychoneuroimmunology. And that's uh, a big fancy word for how our thoughts impact our biology. Okay. And Dr. Uh, Dr. Braden and Bruce Lipton and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's just a wealth of information now out about how our thoughts impact our biology. And it was at the time, it was really chemical, right? So like these thoughts produce these chemicals, which produce these reactions in the body. And um, as a naturopathic doctor, I was like, well, I know how to skirt around those things. But 
then I read research from Martin Picard talking about how our emotions impact our mitochondrial health. And that was really the door that blew open quantum biology for me. Cause it was like, oh my goodness. Like we can clearly see from the research that our mitochondria are acting like antennas and able to pick up on things beyond the chemical and mechanical model, which of course is still at play, but there's something deeper, something smaller um, in the quantum realm that is at play when we're looking at mitochondria and their ability to pick up on frequency information, emotions, light, um, sound, all of these things. So that's really the door that um, ushered me in. And I haven't left because it's so fascinating. It seems like the research can't stop either because you're talking about energy and frequency and it just, it doesn't stop. I mean, what, when could it stop? <laughs> Absolutely. And the interesting thing about it is, you know, it kind of brings us full circle. Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff and research that's coming out now is validating these you know, century old traditions, this ancient indigenous wisdom that we have in Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, European traditions, African medicine, um, you know, Mayan medicine. I mean, just the list goes on and on. There's not a culture that I've studied that doesn't have some kind of utilization of these energy flows. And whether that's, you know, you call it the fascia or the lymph or the primovascular system, there's so many different um, theories and evidence backing this up. So it's really neat to see how full circle it comes, validating what, you know, the science that really sort of ignored those traditions is now coming full circle and saying, oh, hold on a second. There's something to this. And that's exciting. That is super exciting. I feel like um, when we started getting into learning just a little bit more about quantum biology and energy, just like listening to podcasts and, you know, it really started um, when we started caring about like what we were just ingesting, like food, and then this um, kind of spun into a thing. And so the more we learn now, I think what really got us into quantum biology, which was something totally off the wall was manifestation and how like to manifest your life um has everything to do with quantum biology so like the vision boards were great and creative and they do work but it's so much deeper than that and then we got so hungry to learn more yes absolutely it's so fascinating and and i i couldn't agree with you more these things that have such impact that are so effective. Now we're starting to understand there's a whole system at work that could be at play here. Um, you know, biofield medicine and the research in that is absolutely phenomenal because we've known about it for a while, right? You can measure the biofield of a cell. We, we often measure the biofield of the brain with the EEG or an EKG of the heart. So these biofields are, are known and measured and yeah. heart rate variability, looking at the pattern versus the rate of our heart, you know, so many different measurements, but now we're starting to understand that there's something more subtle happening. There's a, another field or multiple fields at play. And so it's really exciting. 
And like you said, like our, our ancestors all across the world knew about it long ago, but we never, the, the world of science and technology took over and we let go of a lot of those ideas and then started, started to disbelieve them. They, we, they almost became taboo. Like, you know, people were kind of led in a way to think it can't be that easy. And like, and that, and so then so many people um, were starting, I feel like in the last five or six years, get into this, like, I lack a better term, but like woo-woo community, you know, like wanting better for their lives. And, but people are getting frustrated because they're missing these little gaps. Um, And we've been there too. Like you are led in a certain direction and you're like, oh, this really works for this person. They're doing this, this, and this. Well, some people are missing these little gaps of like sunshine and grounding and food and how this all plays into wanting and receiving the life you desire. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's so interesting. Like if we zoom out those gaps are where we fit into the ecosystem. Like um, I can't, years ago, there was a popular meme out that had, you know, a little human on top and then all the different parts of the ecosystem. And that was sort of the representation of Western science. And it's so true. Like we approach science as if we are the investigators, we are the funnel of truth, right? We go and extract the truth and, you know, it has to come through us. And what now we're realizing a lot of us in the quantum biological world and environmental medicine world, we're realizing that of course we are in the center of that ecosystem. We are part of the chain. We are part of the web. We are not outside of it, manipulating it and, you know, causing all these things to happen. We are intimately tied to the world around us. So those gaps really are where we fit in with the ecosystem, of course, the sun is going to play into it. Of course, the dirt beneath our feet are going to play into it. But when we look back at sort of the history of science and medicine, the scientific revolution, you know, started in the 1600s through the 1800s, early 1900s, you see that people really had an obstacle of proving what is true. If you can't see it underneath a microscope, then it's not true and we have to leave it by the wayside. And that was modern science forever until now we finally have some instrumentation where we can see much finer detail, much um, deeper and smaller than we've ever seen. So it's, it's a funny thing that it's such a, you know, a vacillating truth of like, absolutely, these things make sense. And now we can finally see what we've been ignoring for hundreds of years. Um, Like you said, is finally there. I I love like, I just, I read the structured water ebook that you have like a, a little while ago. But Yesterday, I dove into the rewilding ebook that you have, and I love the term for one. Uh, my most recent book is called Rewilding the Modern Man, and so it's really funny. But that term rewilding, I love so much because that's where we are right now. Humans, you wrote in there that like we spend an average of two percent of our lives outdoors, and that stat is ridiculous. Yes. I can't imagine if we only spent we're kind of wild people, we spend a lot of time outdoors, but. 
Two percent—that's ridiculous, and no wonder people are suffering so bad. Can you can you explain like from the quantum level in a way that people can understand? Because we, our listeners, know all about like hormonal stuff with the sun and with the earth, but even deeper because the research that you're doing and the work you're doing goes so much deeper than just you know it increases your mood because of serotonin and dopamine, and you'll get a better workout, like you know, deeper than just that level. Yeah, so what we definitely want to talk about structured water and fascia a lot. That's uh-huh. what we're really interested in and our listeners too. But from your perspective, sunshine and grounding, how important are those? Where do they fit in? That's a great question. Um, they fit in on a fundamental level, right? So we've been really operating under this Newtonian biology. So mechanical forces, chemical forces drive our biology. That's what we learned in school. That's still what's being taught. Now we understand that our body is working with quantum phenomenon. So it is able to utilize light photons of light, phonons of sound, frequency information of all kinds. And it's doing it at the smallest pieces of our biology. So when we talk about quantum biology, we're talking about not only quanta, right? Quantas of light and sound and frequency, but we're talking about actual quantum phenomenon that's happening at the cellular level, at the level of a protein or an enzyme. And uh, Jim Al-Khalidi, Al-Khalili is a wonderful place to start. Life on the Edge gives a sort of an overview through 2018. And it's so crazy that the last five years has brought so much research since then. But it's a wonderful start showing us how and, and he's still doing research. Um, he, he runs the quantum biology department over in the UK and he um, in Surrey and he is doing research all the time and what he's looking at or people like Greg Engel, Seth Lloyd, they're looking at how our bodies utilize quantum phenomena. So quantum tunneling, where if we can imagine a hill and a soccer ball in Newtonian physics or Newtonian biology, we have to kick that soccer ball over the hill. We have to have enough energy, whether that be mechanical or chemical to get that over the get that soccer ball over the hill so we can do the reaction or whatever it is, whatever biological process. With quantum tunneling, because that soccer ball uh, and that soccer ball would be a quantum particle, right? An electron, a proton, a photon of light, because that soccer ball is both matter and energy, it can be in multiple places at one time. And that's not um, a misnomer of probabilities. It's an actual uh, phenomenon that happens where one photon of light can travel multiple paths, find the the, the most effective path, the quickest path. And that's the path that that photon will take, not only that, but everything in that interaction, the other proteins, the other enzymes, create this quantum coherence through vibration that keep that photon of light 
um, on its best path, on the most effective and quickest path to the photosynthetic reaction center or uh, along the electron transport chain in our mitochondria, right? So when we're talking about getting light, when we're talking about earthing, we're talking about not only collecting energy from these light sources, from the free electrons that that line our earth. We're talking about what happens when we utilize them and that it is not this lock and key receptor model that we learned in school where we have keys randomly floating around in our cell and they magically find their randomly find their receptor lock and um, turn the key and initiate biological action. We're understanding that it, it's quantum phenomenon that's actually driving that process. It is not random. So all these ideas of random DNA mutations and just sort of um, at the will of randomness of the universe, quantum biology really brings us to this beautiful idea that none of it is random, yeah. that it is happening exactly according to um, the way our biology works and life on this planet. So, you know, Greg Engel was the first one to, to really um, elucidate this in the writing on photosynthetic processes. And he was doing it in bacteria, right? But of course, plants and, and uh, bacteria utilize that photosynthetic reaction. And we do the same thing. We have uh, so many different chromophores light utilizing proteins in the body that are able to capture and utilize light. Not only that, but our cells are creating their own light in the body. So when we're talking about, you know, what is so important about earthing and uh, circadian rhythm and getting out in the natural light and syncing with the rhythm of the sun, we're talking about this layer of quantum phenomenon that connects us with the earth, with the universe, with each other, and that it's so intimately interconnected. We can't boil it down to something that can then be synthesized or recreated. Everything has its own unique property that can't be replicated. And so that's something completely different than the pharmaceutical model that's now at play in mainstream medicine. And you guys, I could just go on and on. <laughs> so you might want to like- No, no, this is, this is perfect. Yeah. And it's the day after summer solstice that we're recording. Yeah, this too, the day so. after summer solstice. I was just thinking like, as you're talking, I was making so many connections to other things I've heard from other people. Um, like- spiritual people talking about frequencies and vibrating in these frequencies and how some people can see the light coming from other people well that makes so much sense on the quantum level that if you're obtaining this light no wonder you can admit light like kind of like that whole like when this person walks in the room she shines she's glowing everybody notices her or him, you know, and no wonder, like this makes so much sense. It's so much more than just a saying. And all these sayings that we have, have this extreme depth to them that we're picking up on, but we're not noting what we're picking up on. Yeah, all the ancient saints and the halos the and the halos, auras around us. Like these were real and we could see these and we acknowledge them. Absolutely, absolutely. My... 
greatest mentor was, is um, Anita Rojas. And she is a licensed midwife. That's how I met her. I assisted with her for years. And it was really her utilization of this quantum medicine that kept me coming back. Um, I had no interest in being a midwife, but I assisted with her for like seven years. And now she's uh, a quantum healer uh, and has sort of the verbiage about what she was doing, but she was doing this the whole time. You know, she would go outside in a difficult birth, take off her shoes and just, you know, I, I need a minute and just like connect and charge up. Uh, she talked about this stuff and this is 30 years ago. Right. And it was always like, I know you have such depth of wisdom. And also I've been raised by uh, a very intellectual scholastic family. So for me to finally have, you know, uh, some evidence and some proof of this is so amazing because like you are right. We've had this talk. We've had people doing this um, throughout the ages, even, you know, 30, 20 years ago, before we had words about circadian rhythm and uh, chromophores and all of this stuff, we had people out there that were able to not need the science and just go right to the heart of it and utilize it. And so it's, I feel very, very grateful to everybody who continued that lineage that was so oppressed and sidelined um, since the 1600s. So, yeah. We were just talking to a, a really good friend of ours that she's a, she's a, intuitive healer and, and she's been doing this for a long time too like uh aura healing and stuff like that kelly brown and we she was talking about the analytical side of it now coming forth like people like you and other people in the quantum biology realm like we've been trained for the last like you said like 400 years or better to think analytically instead of creatively and so that's led it led us to a point where we didn't have verbiage to explain what was happening with these miracle workers as we call them yeah and but now the vocabulary is coming and it's connecting things so like um everybody being really trained through schooling and things like that um to think analytically and we're trying to swap over and retrain the brain and retrain how it's thinking um and so it helps the us me too like see these hard facts uh, while I'm still thinking on that side and with that side of my brain mm -hmm. to gently encourage to come to the other side and start thinking on the other side of this and becoming more creative with my thoughts and also it brings this incredible self-worth and self-comfort to yourself like knowing that um, you can truly trust yourself and trust your environment and how important your environment truly is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to I mention that too. You, yeah. you coined the term um, terrain. What, what is yeah. it? Attend your terrain, tend your terrain. What, where did that come from? Um. <laughs> That came up in uh, April of 2020. So oh, I think time. we, yeah, right. <laughs> I think we had uh, gone into lockdown 
in March, right? Um, and it, by April, quite clear what was happening. And I read a story, um, a news story about a beach in Spain and they were bleaching the beach to allow people access for a day or two. Oh, and I was just devastated. Um, you know, regardless of what your thoughts are about germs and the last few years, spraying a beach with bleach is outrageous on any spectrum. And so that's where, um, of course, I fall way more in the terrain theory camp. Um, but regardless of that, it, it was a time where I felt like we really needed to be reminded weekly that we don't end at the barriers of our skin. That bleached beach that we're sitting on is part of us and and we cannot approach health that way. And so that's that's where it started and I every Saturday, sometimes early Sunday morning, um, but every Saturday I, I share stories of people that are utilizing that hashtag just to remind people that tending to our terrain and our health looks like so many different things. It can look like putting our feet in the grass, uh, a good concert or musical jam with friends, sitting by a fire. I mean, there's so many, the list is just basically being human, right? Yeah. And, and, and caring for the things around us, but we really have walked so far away from that humanity that it's become dangerous, it's become indicted. Um, and so that's where that came from, just really an effort to remind us that that's where our beauty and our power and our health lies in our internal terrain and our external terrain, how we are connecting with each other as a community has such an impact on our health. And we, we can't stop bleaching uh we have to stop bleaching everything and 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 sanitizing you know same with our our relationships i recently went to like a a theater production a shakespearean festival here in oregon and i was really amazed at how little we human anymore right i had to tell the the woman next to me like go ahead use that armrest you know i'll i'll take my arm off it if you need to you know they <laughs> Just, it's okay. We're sharing the space together. And, yeah. and during intermission, I was so just so excited to be there. I was with my two kids and my 82 year old mom. And so when I saw someone, I look them in the eye and just smile really big because <laughs> I was happy. And, and they look away. <laughs> well, they'd say, do I know you? Like, as if like that interaction is reserved for our close friends. And I would just say, no, I'm just so excited to be here with you. And, and they enjoyed that. But it was so interesting to see how um, little we human these days. And, and so that tenure terrain was really an attempt to um, and still is an attempt to remind us and shift us back to that humanity because 
we're messy. Life is messy. And the mess is really the beauty. I mean, when we look at, that's one of my favorite things about quantum biology is that for years and years, studying quantum phenomenon was isolated to a quantum physicist lab, right? And they did these experiments on quantum tunneling, entanglement, all these things in a laboratory that is colder than allows for um, life, right? It's, it's down below absolute zero where no life can exist. And they've uh, shielded the lab. So no sound, no temperature difference, no vibration of any kind can disturb this delicate quantum process. So when people started recording it and uh, talking about it in the research, like uh, Greg Engel from Berkeley and Seth Lloyd from MIT, people were like, absolutely not. There's no way this can happen in a chaotic living system like our body. And what we found is that chaos is that coherence, that chaos is that beating and collective vibration that keeps a photon on its most effective path or whatever it might be. It's that messiness of being human, of being alive that brings us coherence. Um, and it's such a beautiful step in the right direction for science and medicine. I heard you say in another podcast about how a lot of those studies were done under blue flickering lights as well, instead of like the natural solar light. Is there, have they started doing tests like that where they're isolating? Cause I'm sure they're still isolating and messing around, but have they started doing it under red light or natural? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, not yet, but you know what? I've never seen the collaboration that I've seen currently with researchers, meaning that, you know, traditionally it's like my thought versus your thought, and we're going to debate on which one is right. And now what we have are conversations, especially, and I'm talking specifically about these quantum biological researchers, researchers like Gerald Pollack, um, people in the, the water community studying different phases of water and the quantum um, thermodynamics of water, they are coming together and putting aside that classic scientific Western science ego and, and talking about ways to better research this and ways to, to really get down to the truth of it. And so I'm really, really hopeful because um, it's, it looks like for the first time, um, maybe since, you know, I don't know, Plato, maybe in the plaza, they allowed for such free discourse. But, but it's really hopeful for me to see that scientists and researchers are coming together and, and trying to figure out the best way to do that. And I think that that will have to include some natural light studies and some different um, light studies. Of course, that's happening in the mitochondrial world um, with different frequencies of light, but um, there is a gap happening with natural light and, and scientific research and one that I hope um, is starting to close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have on the topic of light, I feel like there's a lot um a lot of people talking about codes that are going on right now through light and through grounding that the body's receiving energetically. 
Um, now, does this happen all the time? Are we in constant communication with light when it hits our skin and it's sending information into our body, as well as when we ground, we're receiving information through our feet or our skin when our body touches the grass? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> so we are <laughs> responding to frequency information of all kinds at all times, right? Um, light, uh, electromagnetic frequency, and, and that just to sort of spread that out, if we have an electrical current, it creates a magnetic field, right? So electromagnetic frequency is talking about both of those things because they really are, are tandem going hand in hand. Um, and yeah, absolutely. We are inundated with that information and we're utilizing it. That's why uh, some of the research out there showing how modern life locking us off from the natural uh, resonance of the earth and the free electrons that line it the natural light and being inundated with this artificial light, especially when the sun is down, um, all of these things have a very big impact on our biology. And it's at all times, you know, one of um, my favorite questions and most frequent questions is, well, how do we structure the water inside of us? Or how do we structure water outside of us? And what we there's this real misnomer that water stays in one state. It just does not. Our water is dynamic. It is dancing. It is constantly uh, cleaving hydrogens and accepting them. It is constantly being acted on by frequency information at all times. So it's a great question. And and yeah, uh, it is something that it's at play at all times coming from all different angles. That's yeah. it. That's, I, I just feel like that makes so much sense on the health, like wagon. Like when you're talking about like health, well, no wonder so many people are having skin issues and gut issues and all these things when their body's in zero communication with the environment because we're wearing these shoes that we can't ground down in or putting these lotions on our skin where our skin's not receiving the light hiding or from the hiding from the sun um, and our body's not receiving proper information. So no wonder it doesn't know what to do. It's not so much the body's fault as it is ours misleading the body a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so of course I have an interest in autoimmune conditions because uh, I rack them up. And so that's been a focus of my practice. And there isn't a single autoimmune patient that I've seen that didn't have some circadian disruption, right? And we have to remember that every single cell in our body has a circadian clock they all have a relationship with the sun. And if you named a process in the body right now, I could clearly show you how it's circadian driven, our metabolism, our immune system, our hormonal state, our inflammatory state, our neurological function, our cardiovascular function, our respiratory function, our digestive function, <laughs> our microbiome is circadian driven. I mean, it's just, uh, and it feels kind of strange to say that because 
hi, we're living <laughs> okay. on this planet. Yeah, like, yeah. duh. You know, yeah. right? right? But yeah. I, I think it is interesting for people to understand that it isn't just this, um, you know, go out in the sun in the morning and kickstart those hormones and have a great day kind of thing. It's all of it. It's yeah. all of it. It's your it's whether you're going to have a propensity for autoimmune reactions. It's setting up your immune state for the, for the day. Um, it's, it is the driver. This is called a solar system for a reason, right? We uh, rotate around the sun because it has that ever giving light that we need. And um, so when we can really kind of wrap our heads around it in terms of, wow, I didn't know that a white blood cell has a circadian clock. Absolutely. Um, all of it, our yeah. mucus, you know, in our respiratory system, that circadian driven, it's all, um, it's all aligned with this ecosystem that we've evolved over millennia in. And I'll, oftentimes I talk um, with my patients and uh, in my courses or on podcasts about safety and danger signals. And, and it's kind of an easier terminology for people to wrap their heads around that we have evolved on this planet, on this earth over millennia with these safety signals of the sun, of darkness, of the earth beneath our feet, of different light sources that don't inhibit uh, all of those cascades that we just talked about, right? We've evolved around fires at night, uh, candles at night, and, and those... Yeah, absolutely. Those red lights that don't inhibit um, that conversion of serotonin to melatonin. Yeah. And so it's really this massive safety signal for our body just to live in the way that it has evolved over millennia with nutritionally, um, circadian rhythms, so many different ways that we actually are our whole physiology just goes, ah, we're in the right spot yeah. because of all of these different inputs that we have evolved with. And we've also really walked away from in the last 150 years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I was just going to say that, like for people to understand, like this is a new phenomenon for humanity, even, you know, electricity is, you know, we're talking, like you said, 150 years during that time frame we have went from being outdoor living beings connected to the earth even if we had floors they were some sort of stone that was still grounding or wooden or our homes were still grounded we were wearing leather shoes they were still grounding we were still working outdoors most of the time we were eating now we call it regenerative food but our food was basically all regenerative for a long time and now it's all changed and now we're this like you said, 2% indoor or 2% outdoor living species. And we have a cascade or a cacophony of autoimmune diseases and cancers. And, and people don't want to claim their autoimmune disease. They want to be victimized by it. A lot, like, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people I talk to that have autoimmune disease, they use it almost like a badge on themselves and start branding themselves with it. And that makes me feel really sorry because 
there's almost, it's so hard to get into those people's minds when they wear this around on their chest and let everybody know about it and it, let, let it control them. And you want to say this is 100% curable. And, and if you do, sometimes they get really angry and they're like, no, I'm a victim to this. Like, you're not, you're not really a victim to this. Yeah. Well, and you talked about like reversing your Hashimoto's. There's another yeah. uh, author, I'm sure you know, Courtney Hunt wrote uh, your spark is your light i think mm -hmm. is what it's called great book she did the same thing she reversed a lot of her autoimmune diseases too that were they control your life when you have them and if you're unwilling to admit that the way you live is in big it's the cause of it essentially then you can't come back from it and i think that that is sad if people could just realize like what you're saying you know tend to your terrain just you don't have to stress about it. Just live as naturally as you like can. Lyme disease. Yeah. You curing yourself from Lyme disease and having help to do that. Like that's a pretty serious thing. Like when people get that, they're down for the count. Like they're, that's a scary thing to get. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when I see a patient in front of me that is doing what you're talking about, it's so hard because that's our medical system. Um, I was told this is what you will have. Here is your badge, wear it. Right. And anytime I tried to put the badge down or you know, put it in a different place, maybe not so prominent. Um, I, I was scolded. Um, at one point, I actually had to call my now husband to pick me up from the hospital because they wanted to do, they wanted to give me a, a colonoscopy bag and remove part of my colon. And I was mm -hmm. like, ah, I, get me out of here. Yes. Um, <laughs> and of course, if, if it was absolutely a, a one-way street and I needed that emergency medicine is so important. And I'm very grateful for that. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for some of those rounds of steroids that I had done to kind of calm everything down. But when I see a patient in front of me like that, I try to have so much compassion because that is the thing they are given. They are given that badge. And when someone tries to take it away, it's almost like we're not validating their truth, right? Um, and that's one of the reasons I love working with autoimmune patients. So I can be like, I have that badge too. And I put it in this drawer over here, um, you know, so that they can see that that's possible without this, um, judgment. I mean, when you're in the mainstream medical system and they're talking with you about your autoimmune diagnosis, from my experience and from the experiences that have been relayed to me from patients, there is so much judgment and hierarchy there. There's no place for discussion. It's that real white coat syndrome. Here's your diagnosis. This does not go into remission. This is what you'll be dealing with in life. Here's the steps that we will go through as it gets more progressive and more serious. And so I try to really just hold them, hold their hearts and, and try to just fill them with compassion and love so at the so that they can just drop some of the defenses down because to be chronically ill like that day in day out 
sometimes people are holding on to that badge because they think that's the only avenue they have. And, and so my work with autoimmune patients, I love to just love them up and get them in a place of safety um, where they can find safety, that sense of safety in their relationship with the sun. And that's usually where I start because uh, dietary lifestyle changes, movement, um, I find the most success was starting with circadian alignment because my patient's immediately feel a decrease in that inflammation and better sleep. And for somebody that's been holding on to this pharmaceutical badge and diagnosis and not feeling better, that's huge for them to feel safety in their relationship with the sun. And then for us to expand that safety to their relationship with the trees and the, the dirt and the earth and the weather and the seasons and the temperatures and the water. I mean, it just expands out. It's, it's a beautiful thing to watch people return to that relationship with the world around them and find that safety and health. Yeah. And then they changed the conversation inside their own head. And like you said, in the beginning with one of your, the people you were working with in the beginning of your transition to quantum biology and medicine, talk about thoughts and the energy that thoughts have. And if your conversation is always this autoimmunity is holding me back, but I'm also using it as an excuse to keep me back. And you start to change that conversation to say, I feel really good when I'm in the sunshine and in the grass. And now I feel comfortable doing other things and I have the energy to walk in nature or the willpower to eat better food. And then it just, it just grows and you become better and better every day. And the conversation gets better and better. And those thoughts and that energy help you more and more. And it just cascades into a, a beautiful avalanche of healing. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk Absolutely. about Fascia because we're, it looks like we're getting pretty close yeah, to our time. Let's, yeah. I was yeah. like, I have so much to talk about. But we're really curious about the fascia. Um, the only, like, I know a little bit about the fascia, but it's not something I really have dove heavily in. So I'm really curious to, and interested on how it actually works. Like, I know that it, it can hold um, emotions and things like that from the yoga standpoint, like when we talk about it. Um, we talk about more releasing emotions or working through traumas or things like that. Um, so I'm really curious to know about from the quantum biology level. Absolutely. Our fascia is so fascinating, right? So our fascia is made up of mostly connective tissue, which is mostly collagen. And so collagen and our fascia is uh, very sensitive to frequency information. So it's uh, piezoelectric, meaning that when we deform our fascia, just like a crystal, it creates a electrical charge. And we know that there are many different types of fascia, right? Um, from our epidermis and our skin all the way down. And it comes in many different forms. And it looks like the fascia is liquid crystalline in nature, meaning that it is able to respond to frequency information, to electromagnetic frequency information as a collective, right? So the reason why we have these beautiful images on these screens 
screens and I can see your two beautiful smiling faces today is because our technology utilizes liquid crystalline technology. So when light gets polarized into the TV screen, all the molecules um, react as a collective, that liquid crystalline um, technology in our screen utilizes that light as a collective, meaning they are all collectively reacting together. One molecule isn't going that way and another one's going this way. They're all aligned and realigning to whatever the input of the environment is around them, right? So our fascia is really, really fascinating. It is uh, creating its own light with biophotons, really ultra weak photon admission. But, uh, but it is, and it has seasonal changes. Um, to the light rhythm, it has different um, health aspects to it. And uh, Fritz Pop was the first one to really do a lot of this research around biophotons. And he's found that they are very coherent in nature, implying that they um, are utilized as a communication tool. And not only that, but our fascia is also making sound, right? And we use a, a mitograph to um, diagnose different muscular disorders, depending on the sound of fascia or fine tuning prosthetics. Our fascia is not so traditionally, right? It's that covering that, you know, in cadaver class, we had to just get rid of, right? Yeah. That useless stuff. Um, but now we're finding that it's much more than just the structural piece. We used to think that, you know, it connects to every structure in the body and it just sort of keeps things in place, right? But now we understand that it's much more fascinating than that. And its role is much deeper than that. And like you were bringing up, it can hold those frequencies of emotion, of trauma, and it can become adhered or ad fascial adhesions is something that's used in the research and literature. And this really kind of goes hand in hand with uh, Porges, Stephen Porges idea about polyvagal, where we have different hierarchy of nervous systems in our body, right? And our nervous system is what is responding to different stressors and traumas. And one of the things he talks about is the ability or propensity of our bodies to guard, right? So if we encounter something traumatic emotionally or physically, we can go into a guarding state and that guarding state can be locked into our fascia and create these adhesions just like a, a surgery would do, right? We have these obstacles of conduction in, our, in that piezoelectric uh, conduction of our fascia. And so we have all of this going on in the tissues and, and boy, it goes, there's a lot to say about fascia, but, but that's a good start is it's liquid crystal. It can create its own electrical current when we move, either when we initiate the movement with stretching, yoga, walking, or when someone is manually working on us with myofascial release, massage, uh, acupuncture. And the fascinating thing um, 
to talk about with fascia is that fascia has an intimate relationship with structured water and structured water, you know, structured water companies have done a wonderful job sort of advertising about structured water in the form of drinking, but structured water is something we actually form naturally inside of our body when we are healthy and functioning at an optimal state. And that structured water in the research is called cell bound water, ordered water, um, biological water. There's so many different names because funding um, is difficult when you're talking about some of these topics, right? Um, this it isn't leading to a bunch of new pharmaceutical drugs. So the funding is quite low for it. And uh, so what Gerald Pollack and his team and many others have found is that this different phase of water where the hydrogens are more tightly bound, creating this hexagonal lattice sheet, almost like a honeycomb, right? Those honey bees are so smart. So as one sheet of that structured water forms against our fascia, it acts as a template for more sheets to form. And uh, Pollock did a beautiful study where he made a collagen tubule. So our collagen is made up of, you know, we're used to talking about a double helix with our DNA. Our collagen creates a triple helix and it's called a tropocollagen um, formation that makes a tubule. It's a nano-sized tubule. So we're already in that quantum-sized realm. And what we see in these tubules is that this structured water builds on the outside of the tubules and the inside of the tubules. And when Pollock added infrared energy into the experiment, that structured water not only built and increased in size, but it powered the flow of water and protons in something called proton jump conduction, meaning that a proton can jump almost instantaneously on this communication network throughout the body, um, which is an amazing quantum communication network that connects every cell in our body. And so this is something, you know, an earlier study of Pollock where he took this structured water that's forming against our fascia, against our cell membranes, against our mitochondria, any hydrophilic or water loving surface starts to build this structured water against it. And what happens is when those hydrogens become tightly bound, they kick out a positively charged hydrogen, which creates what researchers are calling a proton rich zone or a proton wire. And he put an electrode in each one. And just like a nine volt battery, the separation of charge between the negatively charged structured water and the positively charged proton wire uh, created an electrical current. It was enough to light a light bulb, certainly oh, enough incredible. to power. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. incredible. So I that is so cool I feel like I learned so much now little um especially like you saying with the um the infrared light like that that kind of like yeah. changing that um because I in the health and beauty world like even when we talk about collagen like I've heard um and I want your perspective on this collagen supplements uh from a dietary standpoint 
do are they absorbed by the body? Can the body use them? Or is it better to consume products that already are bioavailable for the body to consume? Well, I think that there is some practical use for consuming the building blocks of collagen, right? So collagen peptides, collagen supplements have the building blocks, those amino acids that build up collagen, right? We find the same thing in bone broth and eggs, meat, fish. Yeah. Um, yeah, our, our protein sources and, and same with our nutrients. So vitamin C, zinc, magnesium, manganese, copper, um, those are really kind of the top ones that help with that collagen synthesis. So do they automatically turn into collagen in our body? No, they don't. But are they providing a pool from which our body can pull from to create collagen when needed? Absolutely. Yeah. That may, that makes a lot of sense. I've had like, that's been a big question because so many people have been knocking collagen, like powdered supplements lately. And um, so I've been curious about that. And we consume a lot of broths and meat and things like that. So that makes a lot of sense. So the body consumes it. If the body wants, it puts it in that area and then it can use it and pull from it. But necessarily when you're drinking it, it's not specifically pulling right then and there. Right. Absolutely. And you have to have the nutrients that go along with that. Um, and all these things that we've been talking about, um, if you don't have that circadian rhythm or, you know, the mineralization um, of your water to kind of accept these electrons from the earth and, and this energy, mm -hmm. then you're going to be compromised in your ability to create new collagen and so many other things. But yeah, yeah. I love we, this. we yeah. were just talking to a nutritionist from the UK who was talking about histamine intolerance and stuff like that. And he was saying the same thing, like, Really what it boils down to is one, you need the nutrients in your body so your liver can heal and do what it needs to do. But if your gut is, if your gut health and microbiome is unsatisfactory, then it, you can eat all the B12 and choline and, and everything you need. But if your gut can't absorb it, then you're kind of shit out of luck. But So you need to really balance yourself. Yeah. With, you need to tend to your it terrain. It goes so first. much. Yeah. Your terrain, like for, um. Ah, this just makes so much sense. I'm really excited about this because <laughs> this just gives the whole aspect. I, I was in like the beauty industry for almost 10 years and more the commercial side of it. So like the injections, all of this stuff that we're putting in our body and, and us as women are very sold on these things to put on our face, these things to destroy our microbiome and destroy our hair. And, and us as women are like, why are our, our eyelashes falling out? Why is my hair not thick? Why am I paying $1,000 for hair extensions every six weeks, right? Like, and mm -hmm. um, why is my skin not shiny? Like, why am I so dry? Like all these things. Um, and it just goes so much deeper for the beauty on the exterior than just rubbing on these poisons essentially and our body is giving us signs when our eyelashes are falling out when our hair is not thick it's saying it's not saying hey go spend fifteen hundred dollars to go fix this so you feel beautiful it's saying i need your help <laughs> yeah absolutely couldn't agree more I absolutely love i love that and i uh, that's so cool i love knowing that side of it and getting investigative on that yeah <laughs> And really for anyone who thinks it is too deep, like all you're saying is 
get in the sunshine, put your feet in the grass, start there. That's easy. Act like you're on vacation yeah. at the, your favorite <laughs> beach and just act like that most of your days. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, most of the things I talk about are free and accessible. Um, and, and so the first step is, is yours to take because it's there for you. Yeah. 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 Well, so we're, we're right there now. So I wanted to shout out a couple of books we talked about. Uh, mm -hmm. We talked about Gerald Pollock a lot. His book is the fourth phase of water. Um, we mentioned several other books. I think we mentioned Bruce Lipton's book, uh, the biology of belief. Um, we, you have a book coming out soon. Do you have a title for the book yet? Or are you willing to reveal it? <laughs> I have a title, but no one likes it. So it <laughs> Oh, well, all right. <laughs> well, here, come this winter, definitely. For one, you need to get on Catherine's website and it's drcatherineclinton.com. Get on there. If you haven't already, download the two eBooks that she has for free. They're fantastic. They're quick reads. And they'll fill you in on a lot of the stuff we talked about today. And then get on an email list so that you can be one of the first people to get a book when it comes out. I know I'm excited. I heard you talk about it in another podcast. And so I immediately started Googling and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, where's her book at? Like, I need to read her book. Where is it? And then when you reached out or when I reached out to you, you said, oh, it's not, I'm not done yet. I still got a lot of work. So, but I'm super excited about that. Um, let's, let's close it out with just where people can find you so that they can learn from you like we have. Absolutely. Well, I'm Dr. Catherine Clinton everywhere. That's my website, drcatherineclinton.com. That's where you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, YouTube. Um, I didn't get creative with that. It's just Dr. <laughs> Catherine Clinton. And I love talking about this and I try to share as much free info as I can out there. So I'd love to continue the conversation. I feel I really, really feel very honored to talk to you today. And I'm so happy that the universe has connected us in this way. And I just, I feel extremely grateful for this. Seriously, I do from my heart um, to have this opportunity to know this information and to be connected to you in this moment, even if we are across the country. Um, I never in my life imagined I would have this opportunity. So thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and helping our listeners know and sparking this magic inside us. Um, and we also have children and I'm currently pregnant. So to spark this for our family too, you know, it's, it's, it's a gift. It's a true gift. Thank you. It is a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank very you. Much. The honor was mine. Thank you guys so much for having me on and thank you for doing what you do. And yeah, I look forward to the next time we talk. Yes. Awesome. Good. Yes. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> so many more questions. There's so many questions that can be asked in this aspect. Beautiful questions. <laughs> well, thank you. And awesome. thank you everybody for tuning in to the podcast today. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording. Yay! Okay, cool. Well, I'm sure you have a lot going on and we're a couple minutes over here. So thank you. Thank yep. You so thank much. you guys so much. Um, I will share this with my followers and uh, send it to my email list and get the word out. So thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Catherine. Seriously, I can't wait to talk again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and to re-listen to this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to take it back in. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs>
Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much and have thank a beautiful you. day. You thank too. You, you too. too. Thank you. Bye.